Thanks, everyone. Tim, alcoholic. Okay, we're on the bottom of uh, page 37. We're in more about alcoholism. If you weren't here last week, we did take step one as a group. We'll do that again this week just to make sure everybody's up to uh, uh, where everybody else is. And we're on the last paragraph, page 37. Last week, we read about Jim. This week, we will read about Fred. Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as a foolish chap having queer ideas of fun. Luck then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. Presently, he is hit again, and this time has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks, he breaks both legs. On through the years, this conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work. His wife gets a divorce, and he is held up to ridicule. He tries every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. He shuts himself up in an asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer have to admit if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However intellectual we get, However intelligent we may have been in other respects, our alcohol, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to. For we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. That may be true for certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at pre the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual, meaning the real alcoholic, or the potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge, which is equivalent to saying self-will. Your life will remain unmanageable if you're using human means to beat the problem. We're powerless and we need to find the power. The power is not within yourself. 
This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. Does anybody know who Fred actually is? Harry Brick. Um, Sarah's not here tonight, but in um, uh, Experience, Strength, and Hope, Harry Brick's story is in there, and it's called A Different Slant, and we're just, uh, we're calling him Fred in this case here, but you can read his story in Experience, Strength, and Hope, A Different Slant. His income is good. He has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is stable, well-balanced individual. Yet, he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. So he has no step one there. He's not admitting anything. He's even a little delusional. He's saying, I'm going to rest my nerves. No step one. So we know where this is going, right? The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. So in other words, he doesn't know he's beyond human aid. He thinks self-will will work here. It works in so many other cases. Why not here? Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. So not only is he not buying into step one, he is preventing himself from taking step two because he is not willing to accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. So he had no gift of desperation to force him, to force his hand into making a decision. He was positive that this humiliating experience, this mini bottom, plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober for the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. So he didn't feel helpless and hopeless. He was humbled, but he was not at a true bottom. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told is most instructive, for here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment, good self-will, appropriate use of self-will, and determination in, his, in all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. Let him tell you about it. 
I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity. That's the mental obsession. Mental obsession will always precede the first drink. Which precedes, says that, which precedes the first drink. But I was confident, I thought I heard it someplace, I was confident it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed meaning I'm different. I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. In this frame of mind, I went about my business and for a time all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. So this is the insidiousness of the malady. Once we feel better, we think we maybe acted a little rash about this whole drinking thing, right? The problems have subsided. Maybe the physical ailment has subsided a bit. Maybe we need to reevaluate. Maybe I should just drink a little less. Right. We saw that on page 30, uh, 31. All the examples switch from beer to wine. Don't drink at work or take a trip. Don't take a trip. These are all the different ways we use self-will to manage the problem. But because we're beyond human aid, our life remains unmanageable. One day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell. Does not say sobriety. Note that. Dry spell. He was not drinking at that time. He was not drinking without the solution. He was working on self-will. He stopped. He's not going to be able to stay stopped, but he stopped. So that constitutes a dry spell. He's on the water wagon. That's not sobriety. That's white knuckling. We could use that term also. Very specifically using that term there. Let me read the sentence again. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day. Not a cloud on the horizon. And isn't this interesting? How many times have we heard that when things are awful, the person stays sober? When things get good, you know, the, the, the DWI charge was dropped. The person drinks again, right? It's when things are good that we have to be most careful, I believe. I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for business. <laughs> I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. He was going to mean business, though, after that. I know that. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all. Nothing more. I ordered a cocktail and my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be, a, would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. 
I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxicab driver at the landing field instead of my wife, meaning she was there also, right? The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. So he has no defense against the first drink because he has not found the spiritual solution yet. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come. I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen and more. For what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. Here's step one. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. That's him taking the first part of step one. He's, he's admitting powerlessness. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. That's part two. I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then. In other words, he experienced it then. It's not that he believed it. He felt it. It was a crushing blow. This is the gift of desperation. This is the bottom that is sufficient enough to cause him to now look beyond himself. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. That's taking step one again. That's being asked the question now. So he, in, in his mind, he took it up here. Now he's saying it in front of these two other alcoholics. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality, such as I had exhibited, exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. Who said that also? Dr. Jung, right? This, an al to Roland, an alcoholic of your type is doomed. But occasionally I see when someone has a vital spiritual experience, they are turned around, right? So Carl Jung says the same thing. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do, that I could do the job myself. So that's basically a reiteration of steps one and two. That's him now saying that there's got to be a power other than myself that's going to fix it. So that's changing from a self-centered life to a God-centered life or a power a greater than myself centered life then they outlined the spiritual answer step three 
and the program of action, steps 4 through 12, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, steps four through, where do we lose most people? Step four, right? It's the first time you got to do something, right? Everything else is chit-chat. Oh, I got to take a pen out. Oh, my God. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. That was not easy. So that's changing from a what can I get out of life to what can I give to life? What can I pack into the stream of life? It's a, this is an altruistic movement. How do I give? That's the drastic change. That's the completely different outlook. The moment I made up my mind to go through the pro- with the process... I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Wait a minute, what did he just say? The moment I made up my mind to go through the process, willingness, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved. He didn't do anything yet, and he had the experience. It was the willingness to decide that I'm going to do everything you guys say. Steps four through two, I'm going to do it. He had the experience right there, or a experience right there, right? As in fact, it proved to be. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems, plural all our problems not just the alcohol problem so if you're broke and your checking account has a negative number will it solve that problem will it put money in that checking account no but our way of life will change the way you perceive that the way you look at that by not drinking we get the opportunity to put the next do the next right thing that would put money in the checking account Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean the car loan will get paid, but it means that how we perceive the fear of not making the car loan go away. Significant. Our life can't be based on circumstances. Hurricane Sandy happens tomorrow. Our whole lives can't diminish. Right. We still have to be in the altruistic movement. I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and, I hope, more useful than the life I lived before. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back to it even if I could. Now, he's not talking about going back to drinking. He's talking about going back to the other way of viewing life is what can I take from life? What does life owe me? Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. We had felt, excuse me, he had felt only the first nip of the ringer. What does that mean? Fred had a high bottom, right? This isn't, this isn't, you know, a, a park bench guy, right? Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. What's the author saying? 
that the bottom is very, very important. Having a bottom is very, very important. And whatever a a bottom is, that's the personal choice of the person, right? It, It doesn't have to compare to anybody else's bottom. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As for two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. So here's another doctor saying the exact same thing as Carl Jung. This doctor was uh, at uh, Bellevue Hospital, and his name is Percy Poliak, P-O-L-I-A-C-K, saying the same thing as Jung. Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So we're going to do, um, we're going to take uh, step one one more time, and we're going to turn back to page 33. And then again, I I had mentioned last week, this is something that I think is very, very important. Um, It's become very, very important to me. But in the, the first paragraph, last three lines, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. I think it's very important to hammer that home because quite often after a period of time, people are sober and then they decide, you know, like maybe uh, I've been away from this thing for 20 years. I can go back to it. Uh, We saw that in Jim's story last week. So I make sure that I say to the, the guy that I'm working with, you've said that you're an alcoholic. You cannot change your mind in 36 years, right? Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a pickle, never a cucumber again. And then I do step one, page 30. Yes, excellent. That's a, that's an excellent point. So this is the question. Second paragraph, first two lines. And I change this into a question. I do this as a question. Do you fully concede to your innermost self that you are an alcoholic? Yes. Yes. And then the, the obvious next sentence there is this is the first step in, in recovery. So you really are doing this step via that question. It's understanding Dr. Silkworth's mental physical situation. And it's also understanding the fact that once an alcoholic, never uh, 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 not an alcoholic. So very, very important. We're going to stop there tonight. <clears throat>